you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Down. Welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start off this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. And today, I'm really excited to be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Robert Stein, on what his role was in pharmacy technology and informatics. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, Bob. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and thanks for having me. Um, I, I always love to tell my story because it, it shows that if you follow your passion in this profession, you can go anywhere. Yeah, like I really want to hear your story because if the listeners don't know already, you're actually one of the people in the forefront of pharmacy computer systems right when it began, like right when it started. So I'm really excited. And, uh, you know, just to get started off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I graduated pharmacy school in 78 uh, from USC and prior to that went to UCLA. Um, A funny story in terms of technology is in high school, I actually started using um, timeshare computers back then. Our our school happened to have an old teletype with a paper punch uh, tape. And um, I used that, wrote some programs, uh, you know, in high school. When I got to UCLA, I thought, oh, this is going to be really cool to work with computers. And then I found out that um, as an undergraduate, the only way that you would actually interact with a computer is by submitting a stack of Holleranth cards to, you know, some priest who would then actually run it into the computer and you get your output. Um, so I found that to not be to my liking. So I, I really didn't do anything with computers until I got to uh, SC Pharmacy School. And um, they happened to have a room kind of dedicated with a couple of uh, teletype-like machines and some uh, video terminals. And I got access to a couple of systems and started programming there. My, my first little programming job um, at SC was actually a, a program called uh, Titrate, um, which you put all your unknown information in about the, you know, the sample that you were asked to uh, analyze, and it would basically calculate the concentration for you. So that was, that was kind of cool. And then in my third year of pharmacy school, I started working at a hospital that had um, a very rudimentary electronic medical record, and I do mean rudimentary. And that was the point when I I said, you know, these computer systems are so user hostile, no wonder everyone hates to use it. And so I kind of, at that point, wanted to dedicate, you know, my professional life to getting the technology more user-friendly, or at least less (laughs) user-hostile. So um, I actually did one of my uh, rotations uh, at the place where I was working, but put on the hat of, of investigating that computer system, um, coming up with some, you know, recommendations and, and observations. And, you know, that kind of really got the juices flowing. So um, after graduation, I was working at St. Vincent Medical Center, which unfortunately just uh, closed down. But back then in the late 70s, early, uh, early 80s, it was a very, very progressive hospital with uh, a lot of different services going on, including a a tertiary care cardiac surgery unit, which would basically do the cardiac surgeries that no other hospital would want to do, and uh, a very active kidney transplant service. So I was the ICU pharmacist uh, there and um, always always uh, keeping busy. I convinced the director of pharmacy to purchase an Apple II Plus computer, and I started uh, writing programs that would do drug dosing, so pharmacokinetics for um, genomycin, amikacin, and tobramycin um, was the start. 
And then still using the Apple, uh, I, I bought one for home and started developing um, things on my own, came up with an inventory control program for controlled substances, because back then everything was, was done by paper. And if you lost the tracking paper at the nursing station, a pharmacy would never have a clue that that drug was missing. So um, it was a real big improvement to start um, having this centralized computer um, record. And then um, I moved on to another hospital, um, moved down to Orange County, and uh, my director from St. Vincent called me and said, would you, you know, like to help us install a pharmacy computer system? This was a couple of years after I left there. And I said, sure. So um, at that time, I was assistant director of pharmacy at, at this other hospital, told the director I was going to, you know, leave to go into consulting. And he said, oh, wait, wait, why don't you just work Mondays and Fridays, 12-hour shifts, and um, keep your benefits, and, you know, the, the other days of the week you can consult. So I said, twist my arm. And, and for 10 years, that was the arrangement that we had, and that allowed me to do um, a lot of work. I, I put uh, helped them put the system in at, at St. Vincent, and then was became kind of a subject matter expert for a system called Megasource, or MS Meds, that was actually a very capable inpatient pharmacy system uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. So I put that system in at the hospital I was working at, and then word got out. So I did some work for St. Joseph at five of their hospitals across the Western U.S., and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I, I even did work with uh, dental offices that were just getting into network computers. And so I'd be out there on a weekend stringing <laughs> Ethernet cable through their walls and, and ceilings. And uh, so I kind of really did it all. I, I, I would definitely consider myself to be a, a, a you know, self-professed uh, computer geek and just enjoyed learning all sorts of different things. So as we got closer to having um, bigger systems that you know physicians and nurses would be using also, um, I started to see just from the um, medication administration record that was being printed from the pharmacy systems, you know, some of the challenges that our, our nurse peers were having. And so having that understanding really helped when I started to work on, on the bigger systems, and then also hearing from the physicians in terms of how they were going to use the system. And I think one of the, the interesting things back, and this was in the you know late 80s, early 90s, the philosophy was, oh, well, you want uh, CPOE, computerized physician, back then it was physician order entry, not provider order entry. And the, you know, the issue with, with them was, just show me what, what I'm going to order. So they would basically be looking at um, a drug, but the specific strength, dosage form, and so forth. So they were basically practicing pharmacy by entering essentially the raw drug record into a patient record. And that didn't work well for them. It caused a whole bunch of medication problems for pharmacy. So I, I realized that, you know, the real um, sweet spot in, in moving forward with EMRs was to separate that order entry function for physicians and, and non-pharmacists to be more user-friendly, to be more um, tied in with the way that, that they think, which is, you know, drug, uh, route, dose, frequency. That's all they really care about. What you dispense is less important to them, generally speaking. So that really just carried me into the um, through the 90s and into the uh, 
2000s when the, the hospital system I was working for decided to put Epic in uh, after looking at, at several vendors. And that was a, you know, an amazing experience, um, not only because it was Epic, but it was especially because Epic at that point had only had a pharmacy system for inpatient for maybe 18 months. So they developed from zero to a viable system in less than a year. Um, and uh, I was so impressed when I saw that system that it was like, oh, this is going to be great. And it was. Uh, it's, it's always a challenge, though, when you do start working with other departments and, you know, realize that the needs of everyone you have to take into account. So, you know, sometimes we would we would wind up configuring a drug that, you know, the pharmacy thought, well, it could be it could be better. Why don't we do it this way? And then I'd have to explain that in order to make it work well for the, the physicians who are ordering it and the nurses who are administering it, we had to kind of make it look this way. And people would, would be cool with that. And while we were putting Epic in at, at this uh, hospital system, I went to law school in the evening, started at the tender age of 50 and um, somehow passed the bar on the first try. I think it was an administrative error, but <laughs> they say <that. laughs> And, uh, you know, then went into uh, working with a consulting company that was working with hospitals that were having, how shall I say, clinician revolutions, specifically physicians that were um, absolutely positively not going to use the, the electronic system. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't make them and they threatened to go you know, down the street to the other hospitals. But of course, by the 2010s, that option was no longer available because everyone was putting in EMRs or EHRs at that time. So that opportunity, again, gave me much more uh, in-depth um, work with physicians, uh, nurses, the other therapists, respiratory therapists, anybody who touched the medication use process. So that was kind of my story. And then an opportunity came up in academia for me to uh, teach pharmacy law. And as they say, the rest is history. Wow, you went through a lot just there. And you know, like that's like, the whole time I was just very uh, captivated to hear because it's, I, I guess it's like, it, it's really cool to hear that history of like when it kind of began. And even like when you were saying like you had the Apple II computer and Apple II Plus, um, you know, I have I have so many questions like back then, right? Like what did you, what kind of language did you use to program your PK program? Um, that was uh, actually Apple Basic. So, you know, the basic language was actually the first one I learned uh, when I was in high school also. You know, that's why it was called the uh, beginner's uh, <laughs> all symbolic, uh, yeah, I forgot what, what it stood for, but uh, meaning as an acronym. So yeah, basic. And then as I moved from the Apple platform to the PC platform. I started out again writing in, in basic and then just found that from the type of uh, programs I was writing at that time, I was selling my inventory control program to, I had about a hundred customers across the country, um, including a lot. And it, it's kind of funny. They, they would be these clusters, New Jersey and Georgia. Cause I guess the inspectors would come into a hospital that had this and they liked being able to get a report on their narcotics so quickly that they they basically go to other hospitals and say, hey, there's this program. So it was all pretty much word of mouth. 
that program got out. But I, I wound up porting it in, oh gosh, probably the early 90s to a D-based variant. Um, it was a language called Clipper. And it was more of a database management system. So much more appropriate for, um, especially in the larger hospitals, the um, type of volume that they'd be um, dealing with in terms of slogging the data. Oh, wow. So uh, I guess a question about that is you said we got moved to a database management system. Did you do like uh, the modeling for that data too? Or what did you have like a team working on it? Or how did that work? <laughs> no. And again, it's going to sound really quaint at this time. But no, it was pretty much just me doing, you know, kind of figuring out, well, I need a I need a file for the drugs. I need a file for each uh, nursing station that's going to have drugs put into it and uh, an inventory uh, file for the central pharmacy. So yeah, I just, again, it was just one of these things that I, I took to and um, a lot of trial and error, fortunately less error than trials and, and it all kind of worked out. And then, you know, as I moved further and further into this as a, a more professional role, you know, I started to learn about things like, oh, change control and, you know, system validation techniques and things like that, that when you're working with a PC that's really not networked to anything, um, a lot of those concerns are, are less of a factor. So I knew my program would work and um, it did. You know, that's that's really cool because like not only do you have the idea, like, you know, everyone can have ideas, but you actually took that idea and you worked on it and you executed it and released the product and then people liked the product. Like that's that's just really cool to hear that that was like one of those things that you were able to do back when um, all of this was still new. And uh, you, you went into consulting as well. So can you kind of like uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what made you decide that you could make that jump into consulting? Well, again, it was when uh, when I got a call from my former director um, at St. Vincent asking uh, to, you know, to put in, and that was a, a system called um, IBAX, which, you know, kind of the running joke was because it had, it had gone through several owners. Um, so the joke was, you know, they update the software less frequently than they change the name. But um, it was, you know, it was a serviceable pharmacy system um, running on a, back then it was an uh, AS400. <laughs> so language, programming language was not anything that I really got into there. It was more, here's what the system can do. Here are your, your different files, build your system. And so it was really more just developing, you know, the uh, catalog for the, the drugs, tying that with the charge master to make sure we had a uh, you know one-to-one -one relationship there, and then pretty much just training the pharmacist to you know go from their paper cardexes, which we had used there for years and years, to entering orders into the computer, which. Again, we had a lot of change-resistant pharmacists, and, and it, it was a little bit of an effort, but the go-live was, was successful. And then um, by then, I had installed MS meds at, at the hospital I was working at, and uh, again, customers heard about you know, that implementation, and so I got invited to, to St. Joseph to help them with their MS meds installations. So I started out in Lubbock, Texas. I was up in Napa, Santa Rosa, and of course the St. Joseph hospitals here in Orange County, uh, St. Jude and St. Joseph. So, uh, and you know, then from there it just kind of blossomed. I had a, a little bit of a programming um, contact or contract with um, Diebold, which was trying to get into the um, automated dispensing device uh, market. And you know, they had a system that was 
okay, but had a lot of kind of physical attributes that, that caused misdispenses and so forth. It, it would actually dispense one dose at a time, which was very unique compared to Pixis, which at that time it was pretty much, you, you know, a drawer would open and you'd pick the drug out of a, a matrix of multiple drugs, whereas the Diebold system would guarantee that the patient was receiving exactly what, what the order was expecting to come out of the machine. So I did that for about a year and then went back to doing just kind of uh, small little gigs here and there during my three days a week, still working, you know, part-time as an assistant director. And then um, the CIO of the hospital system that I worked for, also an ex-pharmacist, by the way, he he basically said, hey, why don't you come and work for IT? And and I really hadn't thought about that. You know, some some of my trepidation was, well, I'm, you know, maybe going a little bit to the dark side, but I, I wound up uh, being hired into their department as a, they called me a senior application architect. And so I pretty much was responsible for, um, up until we, we started to build the Epic system, all of the um, individual pharmacy systems and automation at, at the five hospitals in that system. Wow, that's, that's really cool. So you were there, was that your longest uh, tenure as a informatics or IT or applications person? Yeah, I, I was at that particular organization for 20 years, starting off again as a you know, staff pharmacist and then uh, moving up you know, through pharmacy administration and then ultimately to the IT department. Wow. There was also one thing I also wanted to ask was, uh, uh, you showed me a video a while ago where I guess they were interviewing uh, these uh, pharmacy computer systems um, analysts or uh, pharmacists working in the IT side. Uh, can you kind of give the listeners a little bit of like what that video is about? Um, I think it was less to do with specifically IT, but it was it was the new breed of pharmacists. And this was a, a Channel 7 uh Good news, you know, they, they, they had segments on the news called Good News. And um, Fred Anderson was the reporter that um, would go out and find these really interesting um, human stories. Somehow they, they decided to do something on pharmacy. So they came to the hospital, to St. Vincent, and basically followed myself and another pharmacist around. And there was a little bit of, of you know, um, vision of the uh, Apple system that I was working on, but it was primarily to talk about, you know, uh, clinical pharmacy, which was, you know, relatively new at that time. And St. Vincent was very, very progressive in the pharmacy services area. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but I like to, to show that video to people only from the standpoint that if you work in a hospital and you see what was being done, this is 47 years ago. It's, it's not that much different than what we're doing today. And, and I think that's really, to me, the, the concern that I have for the future of this profession. We haven't moved forward as fast as we should. And we, we really need to start um, thinking about different paradigms beyond just you know, dispensing and doing things that can be replaced with clinical decision support systems. Yeah, that is uh, that is very true. Like ever since I started pharmacy school, I have been seeing things. You know, I started pharmacy school in I think two thousand eight, and then from that until now, it's been over ten years. And the the rate, like what you said, the rate of change isn't as as uh, fast as I was hoping. But um, I I do see that it's kind of picking up a little bit. So there is like some uh, some hope there. And uh, you know, with these new kind of roles that are coming out. 
Like I think in the informatics space and just digital health and consumer uh, health informatics, like there's been a lot of new roles for pharmacy and for pharmacists and their clinical skills. Um, I, I think that's been expanding a lot in the last few years. I, I don't know like if you've seen the same thing or not. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I see now so many programs that actually are offering informatics in pharmacy schools or in postgraduate education or, you know, some of the residencies and fellowships that are available um, across the country. So, yeah, we I think pharmacy informatics has finally reached, uh, you know, a good critical mass. When I first joined HIMSS, which is the the big healthcare uh, information systems management society, that's kind of, you know, the Anybody that's doing anything with EMRs and, and automation in healthcare is involved with, with HIMS. There was no pharmacy informatics people at all. It was, it was nursing uh, informatics and physician informatics. So I felt a little bit lonely <laughs> in that role back then, but um, I was really heartened to see, you know, a few years later, um, after I had kind of moved on to other interests, that they, you know, have made informatic, pharmacy informatics one of the um, official SIGs there. Yeah, and I think recently they also had a webinar about like what is pharmacy informatics. I think it was just last week or so. So that's really cool. Like I, I saw, I wasn't able to attend, but I heard that it was a, a really good like webinar about you know just introducing what is pharmacy informatics, what are pharmacy systems, and things like that. So it's really cool that Hims is like kind of like not not to say taking the lead, but like uh, doing the things that will expand the profession. You know, like include pharmacy into the whole like um, health information technology space. So so that was pretty cool. One of the the things that I think we need to do as a profession is get more involved in in hands-on patient care. That is um, actually being able to do the physical assessment. And um, if you really look at where um, nurse practitioners have gone, you know, they've, they've basically moved up to the point where they're able to diagnose and prescribe and almost autonomously at this point without physician supervision. And it seems to me that with our education with respect to drugs and, and you know, knowing uh, technology, that we should be out there really promoting our profession to, to do more hands-on so that we can do some limited diagnosis, at least in chronic disease management, and also be able to use some of the, the tools like a fundoscope to look in a patient's eyes to see if there are changes to the retina, you know, which is a factor in uh, diabetes and hypertension. And, you know, because we can't do those things, we're still kind of stuck relying on other providers to do those little physical patient touching things that um, I think that's that's really where we need to go as a profession in terms of, of, you know, clinical practice. And that brings up the technology from the standpoint that now we would be needing to be documenting things other than just dispensing medications. Yeah, that's really true. And also like uh, getting to the point where I, I don't know, like this would be one of those things, but getting to a point where those services are actually billed and we are providers as well. So it's kind of like it, it all like just comes together that way. And technology is there to help us as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the real chicken in the egg right now is, is you know, getting paid for doing these clinical and cognitive services is is still a challenge. And again, you know, we we haven't been great as a profession in terms of, of really pushing pushing for change in that area. It's happening slowly now, but it's again for forty some odd years after we were doing all this stuff. You know, it's kind of sad to see that um, we still aren't getting paid for other than you know basically dispensing uh, drugs. Scary. 
Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, like, this is a great topic and everything, but uh, people may also be asking, like, like one of the common questions that I always get is, like, how do you get into the pharmacy informatics space? I know that you were there from the beginning, so I know that now it's a little bit different, but, you know, you have this uh, vast amount of experience of, like, you know, getting into the consulting space, developing a program that is used by many uh, institutions, and how, what kind of advice would you give when students ask you, or even other pharmacists who are currently working in a different field, where they want to get into the informatics or technology space, what kind of advice would you tell them? Well, I, I think the first thing would be, and, and if they've made that decision to start looking at informatics, that that at least is the first threshold question, which is, you know, what is your, your passion in terms of, of moving towards, you know, a, a career in the technology side of, of uh, healthcare? You know, do do the uh, prospectives have any experience with uh, you know working with PCs beyond just being a, a user? Have they done any you know programming? And you know, a lot of the the kids, I call them kids, but the younger uh, generation has grown up with like video games, and some of those games have programming components to them, like SimCity and, and others, where um, they are really getting a taste of, of programming. But having a logical mind, recognizing that, you know, uh, computers will only be as good as the, the work that's been put in to configure and, and build them, that's really important. So again, passion is probably the most important thing. And if, if you have that passion and that interest, getting started in doing things, if you're a hospital pharmacist, working with the automated drug dispensing system, you know, getting familiar with how that works, that would also start to introduce you to this uh, wonderful world of what we call interfaces, right? Between two different systems talking with each other and making sure that things are um, understood on both sides. So you have to build the, the data correctly on both sides of, of, of the interface. So that I think that is probably the easiest way. Uh, the other way is kind of what I did, which was looking at, at systems and seeing where they were failing in terms of, of user friendliness and going to the uh, IT department. And, you know, that's a really uncomfortable situation in, in a lot of uh, situations just because um, IT tends to think of themselves as separate from the uh, clinicians. I think the trend in the last few years is the recognition is if you're in healthcare IT, you are going to be working with informaticists, um, which is you know, really fortunate. And again, kind of a side effect of the High Tech Act and, you know, in the 2010 range that really pushed the implementation and the, the blossoming of, of uh, EMRs. Yeah, uh, getting in touch with the, um, if there are informaticists at the facility they're working at, they probably are going to be nurse informaticists. Um, that's the most common um, thing that I've seen. And finding out who the uh, chief medical information officer is, the CMIO, and touching base with, with that physician. Because, again, if they see a pharmacist that's really interested in wanting to make things better, it, it makes their life easier uh, in terms of, of hurting their cats, which are the physicians. Awesome. That was like really good advice. And, you know, we have some listeners who may want to reach out to the, the interviewees uh, because they have more specific questions. And for you, you have like this uh, vast amount of history through the pharmacy computer system side, but you are also a, a PharmDJD. So, you know, people may be asking you about 
other things, right? So what's the best way that they can reach out to you if they have like further questions about your career path and uh, how you got into informatics and then maybe some reasoning why you went into the law space? Yeah, I'm I'm more than happy to, to you know, take emails. Um, my email address is rstein, S-T-E-I-N, at uh, kgi.edu. And the phone number is 909-607-0292. My office phone forwards to my cell phone when I'm not in the office. Um, And I'm I'm happy to, you know, take any questions. Um, I I really have an open door policy on, you know, anyone that that has uh, questions that I can help answer. I'm always happy to do that. In terms of how I got into law, it had nothing to do with pharmacy at all, but rather um, here in Orange County, there was a military base that was closing, and uh, there was they were, there was a big move to push the airport where it is currently near Newport Beach and moving it to this this base that was being abandoned. And I was one of the how shall I say community activists that was writing a lot of letters, and and you know somebody just made the comment, it's like, well, the you know the way you write, you you should be a lawyer, and. Uh, I was 48, 49, and and didn't really think that much about it. But I said, okay, well, let me just take the LSAT, and and you know, I did did okay on that, and wound up you know going to school in the evenings. It was it was definitely a challenge, you know, while implementing you know Epic at the same time. But I had again, you know, that's one of the things that I I really have to to focus everyone's attention on is you need a good mentor. So I was very fortunate in when I was at St. Vincent, the director of pharmacy was an amazing uh, visionary. And, um, you know, similar, similarly, um, I've had the, you know, opportunity to to work with leaders that um, really understood, you know, how we we move beyond um, what we maybe have as our comfort zone or our comfort uh, profession to uh, basically expand and understand the whole healthcare process. So again, it was uh, when I was at the uh, hospital system. It was the CIO, uh, former pharmacist, who really was you know instrumental in moving me into into that role into the IT department itself. Wow, that's really cool. So yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And I'll be putting your contact info that you you shared into our show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out. But uh, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day uh, to be on the show. Well, thanks, Tony, for having me. And um, again, I look forward to answering any questions I can. And just again, follow your passion. Right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy. And me, and remember, technology is the tool, patient care is the goal.